Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Tuesday, April 27th. I'm Nyla Booty. Here's what you need to know today. How the census is redrawing the congressional map. Plus, Tesla and the future of self-driving cars. But first, today's one big thing. The U.S. opens up its vaccine stockpile to the world. Yesterday, the Biden administration announced plans to share 60 million doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine with other countries. The U.S. has been criticized for how little it's shared so far. For example, we've sent just 4 million AstraZeneca doses to our neighbors in Mexico and Canada, even though they've asked for much more. Axios' world editor Dave Lawler is here to catch us up on U.S. vaccine diplomacy and how the rest of North America is doing. Dave, is the U.S. now on track to become one of the major global vaccine suppliers? Yeah, this is a big moment. So it's 60 million doses between now and June. And so that's not going to change the global picture overnight. Obviously, the global population is much higher than that. But given the intense strains on vaccine supply around the world right now, 60 million is actually quite a meaningful number. And it does make the U.S. one of the larger suppliers of vaccines around the world. We have sent doses to Canada and Mexico already, but I wonder if we can just zoom in on how our neighbors are doing. Let's start with Canada. What's the situation like there right now? So Canada has really struggled or had really struggled to start the vaccine rollout. They purchased many vaccines from several different suppliers, but they've been relying on imports, which have mainly been coming from Europe because the U.S. is not exporting doses at the moment. And so they were struggling to ramp up their distribution just as another wave of the virus came along and cases were ticking up. So we've seen some new restrictions in Ontario, for example, and, you know, really a sense that if they had moved a little bit quicker, maybe they could have avoided this new wave of the virus. Mexico is also in pretty bad shape with the third highest death rate in the world. Are there enough vaccines in Mexico? So Mexico is lagging way behind the U.S. and also behind Canada in terms of vaccinations. And they've turned to really anyone who's willing to provide vaccines, including Russia and China. But still, there's been a big lag in supply. And they've been one of the big drivers in terms of putting pressure on the U.S. to share these AstraZeneca doses. Uh, The president made a public plea for doses from the U.S. And so they'll certainly be hoping to be one of the recipients of these 60 million doses. Dave, I think a lot of people are probably wondering, why did the U.S. take so long to give away doses that we don't need? Yeah, so that's a great question, Nyla, and I've been asking it as well. You know, the White House answer yesterday was that they only have 10 million doses sitting there at the moment. There had been reports that actually the stockpile was much larger than that, but they say there'll be 50 million additional doses filled between now and June. And so now is the moment when they're prepared to roll out these doses. But you're right that for a while now, it's been pretty clear that the U.S. was not going to be relying on AstraZeneca in terms of this initial rollout, while a lot of countries around the world were. The next question is obviously when we're going to be willing to share the doses we are using from Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson. We are starting to see demand slacken in the U.S. while supply continues to increase. And so that's the next big question for the White House is what's the point at which they'll be comfortable allowing those vaccines being produced in the U.S. to go overseas? Axios' world editor, Dave Lawler. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Nala. Closer to home, new reports are showing that more than 5 million Americans have skipped their second vaccine shot. Some cited fear of side effects or feeling that one shot gave them enough protection. This has public health officials worried, including Dr. Zeke Emanuel, who served on Biden's transition team. 
It's going to be an even bigger slog. We really all have to hope that these shots are really have some really good durability. If they've only got durability for six months or even 12 months, it's going to be hard to ramp up this vaccination effort. That, I think, is just going to overtax the public and overtax the system. You can hear the full interview Dan Premack did with Dr. Zeke Emanuel on the most recent episode of Axios Recap. We'll be back in 15 seconds with what the new map for congressional districts will look like. Welcome back to Axios Today. One reason why the census matters was made clear yesterday when new congressional maps were released. Spoiler, more seats are shifting to red states than blue. Axios's political reporter Steph Kite is here with the big picture. Hey, Steph, what are some of the big takeaways from this new map? So the big takeaways are just looking at the trends of which states are gaining seats and which states have lost seats. California, for example, is the nation's most populous state, and it's the first time that it will lose one of its congressional seats. It's the first time in history. There are other more Democratic states that are losing seats, like Illinois, Michigan, and New York. Only two states that voted for Trump in 2020 are losing a seat. Those are Ohio and West Virginia. What does this mean for the Democrats' slim majority in Congress? I mean, obviously, because the majority is so slim, every seat counts. And so it means that in 2022, it's going to be even more important for Democrats to really have a solid election season in order for them to maintain their majority. And outside of how this affects Congress, what else do we need to know about this count? So apportionment is really just the first step in the longer redistricting process. And redistricting is when states redraw their electoral district lines, both at the state legislative level and at the congressional level. And the way that those lines are drawn can really impact political power for an entire decade. And right now, Republicans kind of have the edge when it comes to redrawing districts because they tend to control the legislative bodies or other parts of the government that are in control of drawing those lines in different states. The other thing that's really important about the data that was just released by the census is that it underscores how slow America's population has been growing. This past decade, we saw the second slowest population growth rate ever. Axios Politics reporter Steph Kite. Thank you, Steph. Thank you for having me. The Department of Transportation is investigating 28 accidents involving Tesla vehicles, coming after a recent fatal accident in Texas. Axios Transportation correspondent Joanne Muller joins us now from Detroit with more on Tesla's self-driving features. Good morning, Joanne. Good morning, Nyla. Self-driving cars has been touted as the future. Do these accidents put this tech in doubt, Joanne? Well, it certainly could be raising some fears in the minds of some folks. The problem is that self-driving cars don't actually exist yet. But the language that some companies, especially Tesla, use to describe their assisted driving features tends to confuse people and uh, makes them think that the cars are more capable than they really are. Joanne, how much does this most recent accident affect consumer confidence when it comes to Tesla and the brand? 
The thing is, a lot of people believe that Teslas already drive themselves because of the company's use of words like autopilot and full self-driving to describe the features of the technology. It says you must keep your hands on the wheel and pay attention to the road. But many people aren't getting that message. The regulators uh, and a lot of consumer and safety advocates think Tesla should be doing a lot more. Joanne Muller is Axios' transportation correspondent based in Detroit. Thank you, Joanne. Thank you, Nyla. That's it for us today. You can reach our team at podcasts at axios.com or send me feedback directly on Twitter. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.